that's Holly. And that's Brooke. And this is the Macabre Cast. And I'm Nikon. Welcome to our one year anniversary episode. Ah! Clapping sounds, <laughs> round of applause, exciting cheering from the crowd. Taking a bow. Ta- yes, if take a bow. If wanted to know, that was me screaming. Yeah, that we, we all needed to know. <laughs> Even Holly and Brooke weren't sure. We weren't sure. I thought it was Zeus. <laughs> he was so excited. Aww. Episode 40, too. Like yeah. a good even like number. Yeah, 40, comma, T-O-O. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you meant episode 42, 40, and I was like... comma, T. What? Oh, <laughs> yes. Two. 42. <laughs> yeah. No, that's uh, very exciting. Very and exciting. even episode 40. And, I mean, if we counted... Depends on how we count our episodes. early stuff. Yeah, yeah whatever. We can't control it's the past. Who? It's whatever. I can. Um, no competition for who's recording this round. Yeah, no competition. We can keep the rock, paper, and scissors out of here. Yeah, mm-hmm. and before we get to actual topic and recording, I wanted to say thank you oh. to all of our yeah. listeners for sticking with us for this whole year i know and i know we have some people who like have actually listened to every single episode and that's wild so thank you that's honestly amazing yeah like we super appreciate you and like we do this because we have fun making it and i really don't care too much about who listens or how many people listen like i just have fun doing this um so i'm I'm happy that we're still doing it. It also has, like, in a weird way, helped with my anxiety, just generally, because I'm like, I'm putting this out there, and you know what? It's whatever. It's yeah. fine. Yeah, and I think for me, too, like, after college and COVID and everything, like, yeah. I was just so missing learning things, mm-hmm. just yeah. because I like to learn. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Nerd. Nerd. Um, I also just wanted to say that I just really enjoy recording with these two. It's no. been a fun little way to hang out and all oh, and have thanks. something to do. Cute. Kiki. <laughs> um, also, I do have a correction. Right. Yes. Um, my correction is from my last two episodes. Uh, it's not really a correction, more is it? It's a revision of it's a what you've learned yeah yeah um is that i realized when i was when we were doing the editing of my episodes that i had used also trigger warning a bit for this conversation um around suicide but i had used the term committed suicide which i was during editing i was like i have heard other people use different terms for that and i'm wondering like what why and should i be using different terms Uh for that um and so i looked it up and i like did some google searching and read some articles and stuff because it's not that hard to educate yourself it's (laughs) like throwing that out there for all the people who don't a fucking effort Yeah. yeah it just takes like a little bit of curiosity and access to the internet um, or a library. Or a library, yeah. Um, Which also gives free access to the internet. Yes, that's exactly. accurate. That's accurate. Um, so I like looked it up, and I did find that there is like a very good reason that people use other terms, like, uh, for example, like 
if you're saying like a person completed suicide or um, died by suicide Mm -hmm. or like there are many other ways that it's said and I have and it's mostly because when you say committed suicide it implies that like a crime has taken place Mm -hmm. and it criminalizes the act and further stigmatizes it and so people are like less likely to seek help um right it's a shame thing yeah and and that like makes perfect sense now that I've thought about it and like looked at it and learned um and so I did want to bring that up that I did I did use like committed suicide and were I to go back and re-record it, I think I would prefer to use the phrase "died by suicide." Yeah, because that is like a more—it's a—it's a more acceptable and neutral like way to say it. Right. So, I agree. Yeah. So just a like little, a little aside. A little aside of like not necessarily a correction, but like I did want to mention it, and also hopefully maybe for people model that like. You can learn and grow on things. <laughs> and I think it's a good opportunity for, like, people who don't know that to hear it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because I know that you have used that phrase before in other episodes, and mm-hmm. I just, like, didn't know where it came from. I, so. yeah. Yeah. Oh, that I have used the phrase died by suicide yeah. before? Yeah, I have. Yeah. I, I'm also in... In a in a trigger warning way, I'm a big fan of the the, the phrasing "unalive." Yeah, <laughs> um, as a way to gently bring it up the topic without like dropping the suicide bomb right yeah. away, you know. Yeah. In the similar way that a lot of people will like not say the R word, but they'll say the R word or about rape like or something grape. like that. Yeah, like yeah. things like that. Like I think that that's really nice because I think. Uh you know it's good to be sensitive to other people's experiences and it's almost like that's really (laughs) respectful and nice yeah anyways yep um but shall we so your topic yes i haven't looked at these notes since before when we recorded your like super long episodes when it was supposed to be both of our recordings in one day and (laughs) after holly finished the like really long episodes which which were amazing about um the passing of sandra Rivet. rivet um the we all looked at each other and we were like, it's nine o'clock. And we were like, so hungry. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, we're not recording my episode tonight. No. Not at all. It was in that moment that yeah. we all were like, this is going to be two episodes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, to remind everyone, I will be covering the 1973 Mount Gambier cave diving incident. I'm so excited. And I think it's Gambier is how you pronounce it. I don't know for sure. Where is uh, Australia. Okay. Oh, that's right, because we had the Australia connection. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm just going to jump right in. First, real quick, sources. Um, obviously, the wiki, and then there's a really good ABC News. And by ABC, I mean Australia Broadcast. ABC. ABC. <laughs> News Australia <laughs> article about it. Um, and then I also am citing... Um, the National Library of Medicine, because I read this um, article called Nitrogen Narcosis in Diving so that I could learn about it so that I know what I was talking about when I talk about what happens. Nice. Um, But we'll get there. 
Yeah, we'll get there. But kind of starting at the at the begin, at, at the, the begin. begin, in 1938, a sinkhole, which are I love a sinkhole. Yeah, we do love. They horrify sinkhole. me. The, the um, idea that the earth can just disappear from under your open feet up at and any swallow moment, you whole, terrifying. terrifying. Oh, <laughs> um, a sinkhole was discovered and dubbed the shaft on a farm <laughs> below. Yeah, I know. <laughs> below Mount Gambier in Australia. Okay. It was discovered when a horse tripped over a small hole, mm-hmm. and they were like, oh, what did the horse trip on? And it was only a one foot in diameter hole yeah. that opened up into a cavern. Ugh. Imagine, <laughs> like, if it had, oh, it's just so scary. Imagine <laughs> if you fell in there. I know! Um, later, they opened up it up to about three feet wide. Yeah. Um, Easier falling access. So that you can go in and explore <laughs> it, basically. <laughs> um... The opening that's three feet wide uh, goes into a 56-foot-wide lake chamber underwater, under that the ground. sick. It's I love fucking that. cool. And pretty early on, um, I'm going to show Holly and Nikon a picture of sort of what it looked like so that they can visualize the space. Um, but you can see that picture on our Instagram if you'd like, or you can Google it. Um, it's called The Shaft. <laughs> I mean, maybe add some other words yeah. to that. The Google, Shaft, Mount Gambier, Australia. Yeah. It'll come up very quickly. Um, yeah. 56 feet wide lake chamber, though. So, like, a three-foot hole, and then below that, there's a, a cavern that's about 56 feet wide with a lake. The idea that that just exists under there, like before people found the whole you know, I know. like it's weird like, I mean those are things like I know that under Olympia where I grew up mm-hmm. there's a big aquifer I don't aquifer know. aquifer yeah mm-hmm. underwater and there's it's called I think like the artesian aquifer mm-hmm. um, and there's actually a well downtown in, in Olympia called the artesian well that just pumps water out of that thing for people to use because wow. it's clean drinking it's water glacier drained yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah it's cool i just in my brain i envision the earth like the solid as solid but it definitely it's, has all of these pockets it's very holy and i'm very uncomfortable <laughs> yeah. by that yeah i worry enough about the stability of things of like structures i'm in yeah. If I start worrying about the Earth below me, the it's stability all over. of the no. Earth, it's like I think it's a lot about over. in Steven Universe when like they go down into the core. Oh yeah, and, and it's, it's like hollow, yeah. and there's this. Oh, uh, it like freaks me yeah. out. No, thank you. Um, but kind of skipping ahead a little bit in time, mm-hmm. that was when they discovered the sinkhole. Okay. So it, it was there. You know, they they had it opened up, and they opened it up three feet wide so people could go in to explore it. Essentially, yeah. So on May twenty sixth. 1973, so we're in the wonderful 70s. Excellent. Oh my. Yeah. Nine recreational divers. I, sorry. No. I just, our time periods were basically the, the same. exact same too. Mm-hmm. That's wild. So weird. Anyways. <laughs> um, so nine recreational divers arrived at Mount Gambier, South Australia mm-hmm. uh, to cave dive at the shaft. It was a little excursion oh. that they were doing. I don't uh, think I'd do that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Their names were John H. Bockerman, mm-hmm. Peter S. Burr, Christine M. Millot, Glenn Millot, Stephen Millot, oh. Larry Reynolds, Gordon G. Roberts, and Robert J. Smith, 
plus Joan Harper, who decided not to dive, Good but remained her. outside of the hole and was like sort of their base camp above yeah. the surface. Good for her. Smart mm-hmm. choice. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm noticing there's one family that had a lot of interest in this. Yeah, I, it wasn't totally clear, but definitely two of them are siblings, and okay. I think one of them is like married to the woman. Gotcha. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not totally sure, though, exactly fully. Yeah. Um, or like... Or they might have all three been siblings, but I don't, yeah. I don't think so. Some, they're related somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so after signing the guest book at the little farm, that it's literally just on a farm. Amazing. And like people can go, it's weird. Um, so after signing the little guest book, they completed a successful dive on the first day in the, okay. in the shaft. Uh, they made it to... Actually, I'm going to show you guys what it looks like really quick. Um, yes, please. Just so you guys can visualize, because I'm going to start talking about where they went where they inside went. of it. Okay. Okay, so... Oh, yeah. This is a cross-section from the side. Okay. Which is the... And the picture you guys look at on Instagram is the bottom. But on the top, it's like an aerial top-down picture gotcha. of it. So in the little tiny hole, you come in, and there's a lake... Oh, gotcha. Okay. And then... And so all deep, the black part's water. The, all the black part in that um, bottom lower picture. bottom picture is water. And then you can see that it's sort of like a triangle. Yeah. And that's because when the cave collapsed in, it made like essentially a giant rock pile in mm. the center. Okay. Um, and that's sort of like where most divers who dive recreationally there will send their shot line down and connect there. Okay. And then that's like the safe area to explore okay. along and the rock can piles. Can you tell me what a shot line is? Uh, yeah, it's essentially like the line that they use to guide themselves where, like where they're going. Oh, okay, um, gotcha. It, it normally, we'll talk about it a little bit, but normally you would have like extra supplies attached to it and you okay. would shoot it down and it would be a, in a stationary spot. So that you can find your way back up and yes. down. and mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. yeah, essentially. It's like a weighted line. Gotcha. Um, and then... In the both pictures, you can see that it basically extends down into really long caverns yeah. around it to the side. Yeah, I was gonna say the one to the right is looks terrifying. So skinny. And I don't think that they know for sure how deep it goes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it just keeps going. But really, this is like the explored areas okay. that we're aware of yeah. here. Um, so it just kind of moving onward mm-hmm. feel free to take a look on the instagram at the picture i know it's kind of hard for me to like describe what it looks like to no, someone no i think listening. you did a good job thanks and you can find that on instagram at the macabre cast pod nice yeah. <laughs> uh, so on their first dive they made it to the rock pile mm-hmm. um and the rock pile like i said is considered the safe boundary sort of like the flat top area of it for people to explore yeah um, very common for recreational divers to go explore the rock pile. Mm-hmm. Um, they re- After they completed their successful dive, they planned to um, return the following morning for more expo- exploration and left their shot line in place because it was already okay. ready to go. Yeah. So they already had completed success with everything that they are already set up. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we'll come back tomorrow. Uh, to kind of describe what the cave is made of a little bit, so okay. we're aware moving forward about why things happen. Okay. The cave is constructed from a porous limestone, uh, which I just talked about limestone yeah. in the Paris episode, uh, the Paris catacombs episode. Uh, 
when the porous limestone is exposed to water, it like passes through it because it's porous. Mm. And so basically it over time eroded and weakened it and created this huge like shaft Mm -hmm. underground. Um, It is estimated to be 460 feet wide in one direction and 260 feet wide in one direction at the main chamber where the rock pile is. So, like, before the shafts keep going down. Okay, so, like... It's like a giant oval. Oh, okay, I see. Okay, gotcha. Does that make sense? Yeah, so, like, one one way... One diameter and the other diameter, basically. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and that's, like, when you're at the rock pile, mm-hmm. extending along like to the drop-off down see. into the shafts, yeah. essentially. It's the drop-off! The drop-off! <laughs> um... Let's see. The rock pile is sort of like a plateau in the center of the main chamber. And then after the rock pile, there's a slight drop off that continue in the tunnels for an additional estimated 260 feet downward to the northwest. Okay. And an estimated 407 feet to the east. I think it's southeast. Uh, Okay. Yeah. I feel like claustrophobic. You will. (laughs) There's a couple parts that are, like, particularly upsetting. Um, Just fair warning. Uh, Obviously, I'm just going to throw a trigger warning out there for, like, drowning. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And scary being trapped underwater things. Trigger warning for what? Drowning. Drowning. Oh, okay. I just heard you. And scary being trapped underwater. Well, yeah. Um, It is unknown how deep the tunnels go, for sure. Truly. And I'm I'm pretty sure it's probably just going to continue eroding over time as well. Yeah, that makes sense. Which is fucking scary. Um, it's frickin' scary. Frickin' scary. The drop from the entrance, the three-foot-wide little hole, uh-huh. um, to the water below is only about 23 feet. Oh, that's not as far as I so thought it would be. So you just do a little jump. That's, yeah. Concerningly close to the deep. surface. Yeah. Isn't it? Wait, like, the, the part with air is 23 feet? Or yeah. Like... That's it. Just 23 feet. And then water. And then, and then I said water. earlier, it's like 50, I think I said 56-foot-wide yeah. lake. That has like a cavern above it that's about twenty three feet high up. Above the and lake. they drop like a ladder down, basically. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah, that's... I'll show you a picture of the hole. It's fucking crazy. Um, the hole actually creates a notable bright shaft of light that like penetrates through the water down to the rock pile when it's like noon. That's, that's cool. Isn't that cool? cool? The pictures are fucking wild. It like gives me goosebumps because I'm horrified. I would go down there and I would die forever. Yeah. I'm not even that good of a swimmer, so I would definitely (laughs) die. Um, This is like... The shaft main area where the rock pile is is pretty explored, but it's relatively unexplored, especially at this time in the 70s. Uh, Like I said at the beginning, it was in 1938 when they discovered it, and it was only in 1973 that this is happening. So it's the 70s. Equipment was not as good as it is now. I'm sure it's much more explored now, Um, but you know, let's see. Looking for my note. Yes. When you hit the edge of the Mm drop-offs, because of the way the rock pile is, the terrain becomes more loose and silty. So when you go down there, it can make visibility really hard. And so that's another reason why a lot of people don't explore too deep. 
But the main reason why is, oh, it's also fucking dark. It's like pitch black. Yeah. Um, I mean, I imagine. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the main reason why they, uh, most people don't travel too much deeper into the tunnels. Because it's terrifying. Is actually because of nitrogen narcosis. Okay. Which, uh, a little side quest to explain what that is. Um, yes, please. It's also called the Martini Effect or <laughs> Raptures of the Deep. Oh. And I wrote LOL. Hello? <laughs> sounds weirdly sexual. Oh. Um, oh. So, uh, I didn't think that. Uh, raptures to me. I was thinking biblical. Yeah. I know. So, of course you were. Of course you were. According to the National Institute of Health, which is the, um, I was reading the articles on there, it's defined as a change in consciousness and neuromuscular function caused by breathing compressed inert gas. So just because they're breathing in compressed air for so long, that is essentially because the the air like doesn't move, it's non-mobile air. It's just stuck in the can. Um, For whatever reason, you go cuckoo. Oh no. Because you start breathing in compressed gases and as soon as you start breathing like regular oxygen it's totally reversible gotcha but when it's happening it affects concentration it affects short-term memory it impairs judgment on a more darker note it if you're exposed to it um from a for a prolonged period of time uh it makes it dilutes your manual dexterity okay and you can experience idea fixation, hallucinations, stupors, and you can fall into a coma if it's really, really bad. Oh, no. um, so Yikes. it essentially makes you hallucinate. Well, and then gonna it's going to be harder to get out at that point because you're like, very High good. Very good. Yes, Holly. Yeah. That's exactly what happens. <laughs> yeah. 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 I was going to say, it sounds like you just get like high as shit. Yeah, but you, like, and you also lose the ability to, like, function properly, like, your muscles and stuff, You get drunk as shit. Yeah, pretty much. You're crossed. (laughs) Underwater crossed. crossed. (laughs) Underwater crossed while free diving. Oh, my God. Are they free diving? Uh, No, it's not free diving. Free diving is, I actually really want to do an episode about this famous free diver at some point, because I think free diving is fucking terrifying. Seriously. Because that's without the... That's with nothing. Yeah. You only have flippers. That's and you terrifying. just you free fall underwater. I'll cover that later. It's yeah. very good. I have a really cool article. Okay. Anyways. So May 28th, the next day, they headed up to like the mountain to refill their oxygen tanks at like the I don't know if it's like a recreational place, you know. Yeah, they just go up the mountain. And they and open they... the can and then they shut it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I was thinking they get like a, a plastic bag and like run with it and <laughs> catch the air. They're like, yeah. Um, so they they refilled their oxygen tanks there and then they went back to start their their second dive. Okay. Uh, a few noted mistakes that they made. That I, I diving think, there. Mm, yeah. Uh, so it is. It kind of goes back and forth a little bit on some of these facts. I think a lot of that has to do with their impaired judgment. Yeah. Um, And then also the rescue efforts took a really long time. So I think it just is really hard to tell exactly what happened. Um, But it said that the shot line didn't actually like touch the cavern floor. But it should have been weighted down enough for that not to have been a problem. Yeah. 
but that is like apparently there was an insecure connection okay um it also same, <laughs> same. uh normally the shot line also holds extra air tanks and they had not attached any extra air tanks to the Why shot line the hell i would don't they not? know <laughs> get it together guys um apparently specific predetermined diving partners were not set which normally when you go diving you would pick like a partner to always stick with yeah your safety buddy yeah safety buddy buddy system um and no guidelines were used when leaving the rock pile slash shot line okay um but it's noted that it could be more okay you mean guidelines as like a line to guide them back to yes it. okay great. so now, the, the only thing about this is that most experts, when studying this situation, mm -hmm. have said that it might have been actually more dangerous for them to have eight guidelines because there were a lot of people diving at once, and it yeah, could have caused... Yeah, you could get caught up in yeah, them. Um, apparently, like, that's a lot of... Like, that would have been potentially more dangerous for them to have conflicting lines. That makes sense, but did they have none? Yeah, they didn't use any. Well, that's yeah. dumb. Yeah, so I don't that's, know. like... At they least, should have split it in half and yeah. each had like one per, a buddy and then yeah. one of them had a guideline but there should be at least one guideline yeah. and <laughs> and I, I will say that like the guy who um robert smith who i'm going to talk about in a moment he was sort of um the leader of the situation mm -hmm. he was like not aware that these people were gonna like not follow basic Okay. And so he was kind of surprised in the situation too. So he was assuming that people were going Good to do it the do right it way, the, essentially. Yeah. Um, anywho's. That seems like a conversation you should have above above water. Yeah, like before you go in the the um, yeah. the twenty six yeah. foot like just death drop. Just like double check check yeah. in with everyone. Be like, oh, are you gonna follow rules? Right. Oh right. no. Yeah. Oh okay. Good to know. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's a whole thing. Um, so Robert Smith, who had actually dived in that cave several times before, mm -hmm. he established the dive plan mm -hmm. and apparently in the dive plan, it was not, he didn't anticipate or he didn't include in the dive plan for them to leave the main rock pile. Oh, okay. It was like not agreed upon that that was going to happen, but people did it anyways. Uh, so it's not sure... It's unclear if it was like they did it anyways to spite, if they just got lost. I, it's unclear. Yeah, if they just were like, but that oh, wasn't, this looks cool. Yeah. Like, we're already down here. Yeah. Let's do it. It just know? wasn't discussed that they would go beyond the rock pile. Yeah. So I, I, do, I would say, like, they did definitely talk about the dive plan, and he had a dive plan. It just didn't go according to plan yeah. for whatever reason. Yeah, so he was not expecting the other members to venture that far yeah. at all. Would it have been possible... I'm sure you're probably going to get to this as well, but would it have been possible that people started to have that nitrogen... What, narcosis. What, narcosis, and that's why they left the plan? Potentially, yes. Okay. Um, if they started getting affected lightly early on, like along the outskirts, yeah. and then they were like, oh, I'm going to go look at this thing and then come back, they could have gone yeah. a little bit farther and then lost their ability to make... Uh, good judgment yeah okay um and we'll talk about it a little bit yeah. but yeah it's pretty sad honestly okay. that, like I think it's very easy for something like this to go very wrong yeah um but I think in general like when you're toying with nature in any way I think in in yeah. general like it's very easy for things to go wrong there because there's so no way to control your environment at all yeah 
Steph actually used to was scuba dive certified. Oh my god, it's so scary. Um, my grandpa's a scuba diver. Yeah. It's so scary. Yeah, terrifying. I want to ask him sometime to like tell me the story more in depth, but my grandpa helped recover like a train engine that was in Lake Whatcom. Oh, wild. I know, right? That's cool. Um, he also is convinced it's haunted because he like when he he said when they recover, restored it and they put it in the museum in Bellingham, he said they uh, he went to see it and he said he saw a ghost. <gasps> Yeah. I want your grandpa to just tell me stories. Me too. He's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, so a few accounts were pieced together to find out what exactly happened to the day of the incident. So this is going to be par- mostly told from Robert Smith, but okay. then from also the other surviving divers as well. Okay. Um, starting with sort of um, Robert Smith's thoughts. During the dive, he was exploring the perimeter of the rock pile when he began to feel the effect, like the light effects of narcosis. Yeah. Um, And he was at about 180 feet Mm -hmm. depth. Okay. Um, Due to his knowledge and his experience, Mm -hmm. he signaled to his group that he was returning to the top Mm -hmm. and proceeded to explore only around the shot line base at the top of the rock pile for a little while just kind of looking at animal bones and he said he did that for only about eight additional minutes yeah when he was starting to feel more in control of himself and then he started to return to the surface okay uh as he started to return he saw glenn Millot's flashlight head toward where the others were exploring on the perimeter okay uh noticing um, that Robert Smith noticed his air gauge was starting to hit empty. He tried to sort of like tap some other people and get their attention. Yeah. Um, specifically Christine Millot, okay. uh, to like warn her, Hey, like we're running low. Yeah. Like just warning you, I'm running low. You might you be running low too. Are. Just yeah. FYI. And he, um, Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. Glenn Malott was the one who tapped Christine and was like, hey, I'm starting to run low. Yeah. We're exploring the perimeter together. I'm heading out of here. Yeah. So when he turned around and left, he was following after Robert Smith Mm -hmm. and Larry Reynolds was also leaving as well. Okay. A minute later, uh, Peter Burr surfaced with almost no air left in his tank. Okay. So he like barely made it to the surface without like having to hold his breath a little bit. Yeah. I mean, obviously, like if you're starting to run out, like you know, yeah. and you can time it a certain way. But he was like running low. Yeah. Like got to get out of there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so once they were all on the surface, they were kind of getting a little bit worried about each other because their tanks were so low. Yeah. Um, and they hadn't seen the rest of them. So Glenn Malott put on a spare tank because they had spare tanks, of course, mm-hmm. uh, and returned to a depth about of about 225 feet at the edge of the drop-off. Okay. Um, and he was searching for the others who were, they knew, for sure drowning at this point. Yeah, because if their tanks were empty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much you can gauge it about a similar timing, depending yeah. on someone's... Um, oxygen intake. Oxygen yeah. intake and lung capacity and stuff. Mm-hmm. Body size, etc. Yeah. Uh, so... Stephen Malott's flashlight and camera was found at this edge when he went down there. Okay. And um, he grabbed them and returned to the surface with his findings, and there was already an ambulance arriving um, because they... Yeah, because they knew. At the surface, they were like, we're calling yeah. emergency now, basically. Um, 
at this point, when he returned to the surface, the group was fully prepared to be looking for bodies and not yeah. living people anymore. Like, they yeah. for sure knew that their friends were dead at this point. Yeah. Like which is fucked up. Yeah. So fucked. After a certain amount of time, mm-hmm. you're kind of just like, well... And think about, like, okay, they were on the surface. His tank was already empty. He put a new tank on. By the time he's done that, climbed down, down into the hole yeah. and gone, swam all the way down to 225 feet feet and you have to you have to descend somewhat slowly too like you can't for your own body yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. so like so they're dead yeah like he knew they knew at this point Uh, it's fucked up the body recovery efforts started the next day on may 29th Mm -hmm. uh but it was not entirely completed for a total of 11 months and 11 days after the incident oh my goodness yeah (sighs) <sighs> the police police underwater recovery squad um, has this this specific experience to thank for their structure and equipment that they have now because at the time there wasn't really an established squad to begin with oh. but they had sort of something put together and yeah. this is like a main reason why it's, they're like hella prepared nowadays yeah so it's because this, of like this solidified incident. it yeah mm-hmm. uh Literally described by Chief Inspector Wallace Budd, it was a learn-as-you-go experience. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or exercise. That's never what you want. Yeah. Um, but they just, they weren't prepared for yeah. something like this, which is fucked. Well, at the same time, though, I mean, where, if they're in, like, where in Australia is this? Is this, like, middle of the continent, you know? Like, because it, that if... If that's the case, it makes sense that they're not prepared for, like, like this type of diving, you know? It's south, um, like, on the southern tip is, like, Melbourne, right? Mm-hmm. Like, heading west along the southern tip. And okay. it is not terribly far, but it's... It's not close to any, like, super major cities necessarily. I mean, I don't know how major these cities are around them, but they're cities I don't know. Yeah. Cape Bridgewater I've heard of, and it's not too far from there, but it's still, like, a drive. But it's, like, more inland, or is it Uh, Actually, Mount Gambier is pretty close to the ocean. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I was going to say, if it's if it's super inland, it would make sense for them to not have experience with that type of diving. Even, but I mean, ocean and, and freshwater diving are completely different, yeah. different, though. So, I don't even know. It's so scary. Well, and that's it's like, also the 70s, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> that's also, like, a very particular type of diving yeah. where you're, like, going down into, like... Unexplored areas. Unexplored areas and, like potentially really dangerous small like caverns caverns yeah oh holly's like got like yeah nervous body language (laughs) i just the idea of being trapped underwater is Mm -hmm. oh it's horrifying i hate it also what's in there i know what if there's something in there? i that's what's i'm so scared of like underwater yeah. I'm so scared of, like, what's in the ocean. But, but Godzilla is down there. down like, there? Like, the Megalodon is down there. Yeah. Like, I'm fucking scared. It's there. <laughs> it's just deep. Ugh. Uh, the first two dives um, 
of the recovery efforts on the 29th and 30th of May were unsuccessful and they eventually had to seek naval training, which took months to do, which is why the recovery took so long. Basically, they sought out like naval trainers who were... Could teach them how to Teach them how to do this, but from like an an investigative perspective. Because they were like, we need to, like we're police. We can't just like send... Yeah, you can't just send anybody down, down there. there. Yeah. You have to have like an established mm-hmm. team, and they, process they did. They just weren't prepared. And who knows what they're doing? Yeah. yeah. So eight months later, in January, training efforts were still underway, and they permitted a film crew to film there for a documentary about cave diving. They were like going to just get some shots of this cave because they were doing a documentary about cave diving. Yeah. After fully lighting up the cave. The above water part. Mm -hmm. Uh, And dropping in, they immediately saw a body resurfaced and reported it. No filming was completed of the body. They were very respectful. That's good. As soon as they saw that the body was visible, they evacuated and left the premises. Good. Nothing was filmed Also, did no one else decide to add light to the cave before that so that they could see better? Oh, I mean, like... They lit it up because they were going to film it. I know, but, like... I don't know how <laughs> it, like, is lit up, but when you're when you're scuba diving, you have to have headlamps anyways and flashlights. Well, yeah, but, like, you can... It's in the middle of a field. I don't think it's... It ain't that deep. Okay. You know? It is that deep. It is that deep. It's... <laughs> uh, all right. I just like to put that little film crew thing in because it's yeah. pretty sad that they, like, dropped in... And then, I'm really glad that they were, like, super respectful of the yeah, body. Yeah. That they just, like, left And that they found did someone, they you know. Do some, like, did, they recovered the body, I'm guessing, right? Yeah. Yeah. They didn't just, like... Uh, well, once they the reported it... The film crew did it. No. But, yeah, once like they reported they, it, like, efforts continued someone else on this did point. I got you, yeah. got you. Um, to be clear, I don't moving, know why. Yeah. Just from the, from yeah, the yeah. phrasing, I was just like, the film crew saw a body float up, and they were like, JK, we're out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bye. Um, no, no, no. Yeah. It, it, once they saw that the body was floating, we'll talk about it, but they did go, like, they did go retrieve it. Um, yeah. To be clear, from this point forward, I'm going to talk about the recovery of each body. Mm-hmm. Um, and so right now I'm going to say who the four survivors are and who the four that um, passed away are. So okay. that we're clear moving forward because there's a lot of people. Yeah. Um, the survivors, of course, were Robert Smith, Larry Reynolds, Peter Burr, and Glenn Millot. Mm-hmm. The casualties were Stephen and Christine Millot, who were siblings. I have mm-hmm. the note here. And then Gordon Roberts and John Bockerman. Okay. All right. Let's talk about the sad stuff. Mm-hmm. Although this is all awful, this one hurts a lot to me. I just feel like this one's... it's This one hurts a lot. Okay. This first discovered body was that of Stephen Malott mm-hmm. on January 23rd. He was discovered under an overhang of the cliff edges, you yeah. know, uh, underground, at a depth of only 50 feet, meaning he was most likely heading to the surface when he drowned, just oh, no. moments away from survival. He yeah. had already equipped his buoyancy vest, which is why he was floating. Yeah. Um, and that's what kept him afloat and actually helped him be the first body discovered. Yeah. Uh, so he was already on his way up. He was on his way up when he drowned. Uh, um, yeah, th- this explains why the film crew found him. Yeah. Is because he was he had equipped his like mm-hmm. life vest. It's like a little tab you pull and it goes. Yeah. It, it activates. 
He was floating up. He was using the buoyancy vest to help him get there as soon as he could. Yeah. And it just didn't work. And I, that's mm-hmm. so sad to me. They're all fucked I up. I also hate that, too, because I'm like, what if the divers who were there could have... Like, if they had seen Helped, him in I know. time, it's But it's possible. such a big cavern. Like, how would you know? And it's so dark. I know. Like, there's no... Obviously, like, nothing on them for not seeing him. No, no, but no. it just, like, hurts more. Because yeah. it's like, they could have potentially... Well, even if they were above ground, like, it's only a three-foot opening. Yeah. And the ground, it's really thick yeah. between, like, where you drop in. So it would be really hard to look down in the hole and see anything. Yeah. Ugh. Awful. <sighs> okay, Larry Reynolds, who's a survivor, claims to have seen Christine Malott and Gordon Roberts attempting to ascend quickly to the surface when he was leaving, so he thought that they were following. Yeah. Uh, he thinks that they got stuck, and they did, in a vestibule uh. after ascending too quickly and too soon, like yeah. too far out on the outskirts of the cave. Oh, no. He says that he saw frantic flashlights and he was swimming away to save himself yeah. because his tank was empty, essentially, yeah. at this point. So he said that as he was leaving, he saw like what he thought may have been like them trying to find a way out. Yeah. Um, after discovering their bo- bodies, it was clear that they accidentally ascended too quickly before the surface of the water was directly above them. They just yeah. shot straight up because they were like, we need to get to the surface as soon as possible. Yeah. Because they did that, um, they got stuck in a ceiling dome. Oh, no. Um, which was completely submerged in water, filled. Yeah. Um, most likely due to narcosis, nitrogen narcosis. They couldn't find their way out of the vestibule. Mm-hmm. Um, and subsequently drowned in, in the... Ugh, that's awful. Concave mm. portion. Um, their bodies were found together on March 11th, 1974. It's suspected that they were holding each other for comfort in their fi- final moments of death. Uh, um, because I, they were found embracing each other. I hate that. Yeah. It's fucked up. I hate that. It's so sad. Uh, it took several attempts to recover their sunken bodies, um, but when they were recovered, they were at a depth of 195 feet. Mm. But they had, of course, ascended and sunk over time. Yeah. Their bodies were found, like, on top of each other. Oh. Another survi- uh, survivor, but it's not in the um, in the articles I was reading. It didn't mention like which one of the survivors saw this, mm-hmm. um, but one of them says that they saw John Bockerman swimming strongly downward into the caves towards the end of the dive, like when they were all at the edge together. Yeah. Um, it's suspected that he may he may have been under severe narcosis and yeah. was most likely unaware that he was swimming to his own death, essentially. Yeah. He might have even been thinking, like, I'm swimming to the surface and just been swimming. Swimming into one of the, like, caves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, his body was later recovered on April 9th, about 20 feet from where he was last seen at the drop-off. Mm-hmm. And he was at the greatest depth of all of the divers, um, which was 215 feet. Oh, wow. Which um, was, of course, not as deep as they went when they actually were diving, but yeah. that's the deepest that the body was recovered. Mm. Um, it just makes it sadder for me that like yeah he just didn't understand what he was doing mm-hmm. and so and that was on April 9th that was exactly a 
11 months and 11 days okay. since that they had yeah done their initial dive Ugh. and gone missing and Ugh. um that's the fucked up story that is there's the, no closure that is that's devastating that's awful isn't um, it fucked up <laughs> Mm-hmm. I just I can't imagine being one of the survivors either and being like I saw them like trying to get to the surface the frantic flashlights know? thing is really scary because I can yeah. imagine that like if they were stuck in a concave part but they so he maybe couldn't see them yeah but he was closer like towards where the surface could was see the light but he could see like the shadows of them like frantically looking for a way out yeah probably under the influence of the narcosis yeah well and that the, the like, panic the yeah that panic because I I know that like I don't know. I mean, I've been in, like, moments where I'm, like, super panicked about something before, and, like, your brain kind of shuts off, and it's, like, the solution is right there in front of you, and you can't figure it out for some reason. (laughs) And so I'm imagining that feeling on top of the, like, the nitrogen narcosis of, like, you potentially could be hallucinating that you're in, like, that there is no exit, you know? Like, even though there's one right in front of you. um... So... (laughs) John Bockerman swimming strongly downward, like potentially just swimming, thinking that he's heading to the surface and he never does. Yeah. While you're already like so heavily under the influence that you like can't even. Yeah. I can't, I can't even fathom the fear. Ugh. That, ugh. (laughs) It's giving me so much anxiety. Listen, I don't like going underwater very much. I don't really like swimming. I like being above water because at the very least I can control one thing and it's the fact that I can breathe yep mm-hmm. you know yeah <sighs> the map that i showed you real quick just to give a little credit is um a map by tim Payne from a 2023 survey of okay. the location um just so everyone's clear nice mm-hmm. um when that was made and who made it because it's actually a really good depiction of what it looks like yeah. um it was the best one that i could find at least yeah and with that map that you were showing us i can see how you would like, if you weren't close enough towards the center, you would just, like, hit the edge of the... You just hit the roof. Yeah, like, you wouldn't... This isn't going to be very easy for them to understand listening, but if you look at this cross-section image, mm-hmm. any of these little lumps... You would just get stuck. You could get stuck there so easily. And not yeah. be able... and. And not be able to rise to an air surface. Yeah, it's like say they were at a drop off here. Yeah. Or even here. I I know you, uh, listening, listeners, whatever, it's fine. Well, even close to the like tallest peak where it's this, any of those. It's directly below the surface. Mm -hmm. If you're even just like a bit off, you're going to hit the rocks. 15 feet. Like it's so dark. How would you know? You're going to hit rocks instead of surface. And. I believe them that it was like this concave portion. Yeah. So if they went up there thinking it was going to keep going, they hit a surface. Yeah. And then they, they're under this like hallucination. Yeah. Like they how don't do know how out? to like go Where down going? and around. Yeah. I, yeah. I, terrifying. Horrifying. That's awful. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Ugh. It's just <laughs> the worst fucking thing I've this ever heard. This gives me so much anxiety. Why did you do this I to know. me? I know. It's awful. A new fear unlocked. Yeah, new fear just dropped. Yeah. <laughs> just dropped in to the cave. Uh no. That was a little bit of a short one, but um also good for the person who decided not to go diving. 
Oh, I know. Good let's, for her. Let's shout out her Joan. name. Joan Harper. <laughs> Good job, Joan. I- <laughs> yeah, I mean, God. Jesus. And just like, I mean, think about even how the survivors would feel. Oh, awful. It'd be terrible. Because it's like they're gonna drown too they have to go to the surface yeah and even by the time they hit the surface and then they go back looking for them it's already too it's already, late yeah at that especially point. by the time it's huge how could you ever find someone before they drowned no. yeah that's yeah that's awful mm-hmm. there's a bunch of like postscript stuff about like they weren't adequately prepared because of this and like claims that i think that yeah. a lot of them have been unfounded um, Are there claims of, like, these people tried to, like, kill the other people? Is that what some no, of it is? No, it's more like, um, let me pull it up so I don't um, spout, like, complete nonsense. <laughs> okay. Here's a couple takeaways that there are. In, in some post-investigations, they... Mainly, like, the corner mainly was just, like, they overstayed their, quote-unquote, bottom time, ran out of air, and died of hypoxia, which is yeah. very, con- like, common in fatal drowning. It's just how it happens. Yeah. The coroner said that. Mm-hmm. That's what happened to them. Like, yeah. for sure, they they just drowned. They drowned. They, they yeah. just drowned. Like, it, it is what it is. Some people have come forward and been like oh the air was contaminated the air that they had on the first dive from somewhere else was better and so the mount gambier air that they refilled with wasn't as good and so but it's really not but okay even if the air wasn't as good they should still be going up before their air runs out that's true you know like yeah (laughs) and having spares and yeah. stuff under or whatever and and the fact that they didn't have spares down there no, irritates me because i'm like me too. that that was a misstep that was i agree yeah. i think that was their biggest mistake yeah um of course no i can't say too much to the victims because i mean they're they're vic- no yeah and, i mean either way it's awful but yeah i i am like guys come on i know like throw some spares down there with you you yeah i mean according to the investigations the air in the cylinder cylinders that were used by the survivors were found to be within relevant recommendations for breathing yeah air in diving um a sample of the air from the compressor on mount gambier was analyzed and also found to be within standards so there's no actual like founded evidence that that's true but some people like robert smith alleged that he experienced severe nitrogen narcosis at 180 feet on the initial dive um i don't know though i think over time with the investigation there wasn't any actual evidence that there was quote something wrong with the local air yeah yeah that i mean in all it's like an incredible tragedy and i don't think that that needs to be something that's brought into it. No, I mean there's... If there was actual like substantial proof for that, then that's one thing. I agree. And and most um, there's a diving medicine expert that um, is talked about on the Wikipedia page um, but he said that like any impure air allegations were there was no like foundational evidence to that. And to him, he was like, this, uh, Dr. Kant is his name. Um, 
he said that in his opinion, they had neglected a number of safety measures in the planning and execution of the dive. And that's what ultimately led to the incident and their death. Yeah. Um, It's a horrible fucking tragedy. Yeah, it's a horrible accident. And, you know, like everyone... The thing about, like, these type of accidents that happen... And, like, when safety measures are, like, overlooked a little bit is that, like, this is why safety measures are important, Mm -hmm. first of all. Yeah. But second of all, before everyone is so quick to judge on things, we can all think about the safety measures that we've all cut corners on before Mm -hmm. and lived to tell the tale about. Uh And it can happen. Like, it's... Safety measures are super important, but also everyone cuts corners all the time constantly Constantly. yeah it gets the best of us yeah oh i mean this is that (laughs) shaft of light that comes down that looks like death isn't it yeah that's terrifying i i could never this is not a picture of it some of the pictures on google aren't actually but if you look in this photo which i'll try to include you can see how thick it is yeah that is yeah the three foot wide opening is a at least a foot maybe two thickness of earth yeah thank god yeah before it opens up to the actual cave mouth yeah that's terrifying so i even if they were at the surface i think it would be really hard to actually see if anyone was trying to come to the surface that's true it's so scary oh it's so scary yeah i don't like that i uh, thanks brooke no thanks for that Yeah. What would you like to put in your cabinet? Oh, God. I think I will take the, like, flashlight and camera that That um, Glenn Millot recovered on the day of the dive Mm -hmm. when he went back to look for them and it was gone. I think that's what I would take. I want the shaft of light. Oh, (laughs) Since it doesn't actually have to make sense. That's true. I guess I forgot they don't have to be, like, real. Um, so yeah, I will have the shaft of light. Huh? I would like Joan's signature. Mm-hmm. Fuck yeah, honestly. <laughs> Low-key a badass. A baddie. Low-key though. Yeah. Like, made some good decisions. Yeah. I would like Joan's signature, please. Thank you. God. <laughs> I'm looking for that image I just showed you guys, but I can't find it. Well, if you want to hear about more upsetting caves and other places that people die like this, <laughs> and just other upsetting things in general. If you would like to be upset. <laughs> you can... Literally. And if you enjoyed being upset in this episode, too, you can rate, review, and subscribe. Oh, Good job. <laughs> oh, thanks. I got them right this time. I didn't say like and subscribe for once. <laughs> like and subscribe. And make sure to hit the bell down below so oh, you get Jesus. notifications whenever we're posting something new. Anyways, um, <laughs> but yes, please rate, review, and subscribe. Yes. And also, if you want to see those pictures that Brooke's talking about, you can find them on our Instagram at the Macabcast Pod. You can also email us if you want to tell us about how upsetting this was, or if you just want to give us thoughts. Maybe you've gone cave diving. Wild. Tell us about it. Email us at <laughs> themacabcastpod at gmail.com. 
excellent. You sound so professional. And also, thank you, Nikon, for doing. <laughs> thank you, Nikon, for doing the sound editing. You're welcome. And thank you, Trainer, for the intro and outro music. You're welcome. <laughs> um, oh and thank you, Lachlan, for being our Lachlan. Aww, our Lachlan. Was there anyone I forgot? No, that's it. And what's in your cabinet? Good night. Thank <laughs> you.